HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by EscapeMaker.com. Visit a farm. Escape through the net. Visit EscapeMaker.com for more. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, July 8th. This is the 70th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests are marketing pros from Open Table, and I will introduce them in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to keep up with technology. Remember getting your first answering machine or cell phone or when faxing was introduced? Technology is a large part of the world and constantly changing, working to make our lives more efficient. Staying up to date can be hard, but not impossible, and can lead to better things. So keep learning, growing, and accepting change in tech, as it's inevitable. That's my tip today. All right, now I'm really excited. I have guests calling in from California. They are Open Table's Leela Srinivasan, and I'm going to have to check on if I'm saying that correct in a second. And she is the Vice President of Marketing at Open Table, and Olivia Terenzio, the Content Marketing Manager at Open Table. Now, Leela is responsible for aspects of restaurant marketing, pro- all aspects of restaurant marketing, product marketing at OpenTable, including quantitative research and restaurant engagement. Prior to joining OpenTable, Leela was director of marketing at LinkedIn. Olivia runs OpenTable's restaurant-facing blog, Open for Business, which is devoted to sharing tips, resources, and fresh ideas for running a successful restaurant and features tips from industry-leading chefs and restaurateurs. Previously, Olivia worked in content marketing for William Sonoma and managed a brand blog, Taste. So welcome, Leela, 
and Olivia. Hello. Are you out there? (laughs) Well, let yeah, and I know it's great to connect. And seriously, let me. I'm please, Leela. Tell me, am I saying your name at all correctly? (laughs) You actually did very well, Sherry. And I'm sorry to have such a long name, but uh, it's uh, pronounced exactly as it's uh, spelled, Trinavasan. And I think you did a pretty nice job. Thank you. I I, I, I tried, but um, it was a tricky one. And um, no, it's a uh, it's uh, it's really great to have you guys on the show. And you know, I, I like to start out with backgrounds of my guests to just see you know a little hear a little more about your career path and and how you ended up getting into the hospitality industry. Uh, so, Leela, do you want to start a little with uh, your history? Sure. Yeah. So my, um, I, uh, I guess I should just start by saying I grew up in Scotland, so you'll hear a slight accent. And uh, you know, my first paying jobs in college were all in hospitality. So I was uh, behind the bar at the Carlton Highland Hotel in Edinburgh, uh, you know, dealing, uh, dishing up uh, drinks at Scottish nights and weddings and that sort of thing. And um, I later uh, worked uh, as waitstaff at a restaurant and bar in Dundee called the Royal Oak, which served phenomenal curry, actually. So, uh, you know, definitely have fond memories from, uh, from way back in, uh, in college of being involved. And I think, you know, from there, my career went into sales and marketing. And I think in some ways, you know, being in a service industry and in sales, for example, it's really, you know, you're really trying to help and, and please uh, your, your, your customers. And I think it's, it almost feels like an extension of hospitality to me. So it's, it's really great to be open table where I feel, um, you know, we're, we're, we're helping restaurants every day to deliver that exceptional hospitality. Right. When did you join Open Table? Uh, just over a year ago, in fact. So just just celebrated my first birthday here, which was fun. Awesome. Happy, happy first birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Uh, and Olivia, what about you? Well, I actually came um, to Open Table more from a culinary and writing background. I um, went to journalism school and subsequently went to culinary school out here in San Francisco and um, and then after that, I, I like you said, was working with William Sonoma in content marketing and running their blog for almost four years. So it's been really fun being at Open Table because you know, whereas before I was really focused on home cooking and recipes, now I have all of this insight into more of the business and operations side of the industry, which has been very interesting to me. Absolutely. I mean that you know I'm a big fan of William Sonoma and actually of LinkedIn too. I mean great companies to work for, and Open Table. So what? Tell me about your roles as uh, Leela as VP of, of marketing. Uh, what is what is or what does that entail? Sure. So I'm responsible for the team uh, that uh, basically from a marketing standpoint helps to grow our restaurant network. So to make sure that we uh, increase the number of restaurants that are part of the Open Table Network uh, and then help those restaurants be really successful in running their businesses, uh, whether it's through using our services better, using our free enhancements better, connecting with more diners, that sort of thing. So we're really invested in helping restaurants grow and be successful. And so we're, you know, we, we help with, uh, you know, um, helping restaurants understand the opportunities with us. And uh, really, I think increasingly what we're doing, and this is where I think segueing to Olivia uh, is the case, over the last year or so, we've been spending more and more time thinking about, well, how, you know, given that we work with 32,000 restaurants around the world, how can we uh, pull together best practices and really help restaurants learn from one another? 
And uh, that was sort of the, the uh, genesis of Olivia's role with Open for Business and on the content side, because we really do think that we're, we're very privileged to work with some of the best practitioners in the industry. And uh, being in the center of things, we really want to make sure that we, we maximize the opportunity for restaurants to learn from one another and collectively get better. Terrific. Yeah, so Open for Business launched this this year, or or you want to talk about that, Olivia? Sure, yeah. Open for Business launched at the beginning of the year, um, and that's like Lila was saying, kind of why I was brought onto the team. We've had a um, consumer blog presence and content for a long time, but we really saw an opportunity on the restaurant side because, you know, there are so many great food and restaurant resources, blogs, et cetera, um, online now. But we really didn't see a lot that was focused on the business side of it and the industry. So um, we really felt like that was an opportunity for Open Table. So that's been um, really what I'm tasked with at Open for Business. And um, like you said, it's really geared towards sharing tips and best practices from from chefs, from restaurateurs, from we have like marketing professionals, people in the technology space, anyone who's really a leader in the industry um, and kind of, yeah, sharing best practices and, and providing resources for our audience. And um, we like to say our audience is restaurateurs and aspiring restaurateurs. So that could be, you know, a chef who wants to open their own restaurant, maybe a GM, anyone who's passionate about having their own place one day. Right, and I'm now excited to be a part of Open for Business. <laughs> Absolutely. We had our first guest post um, from Sherry today about her experience at the Expo Milano, so that was really exciting. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I saw it go up, and I'm super excited about it, and just, I think, you know, I think my audience for this show is, is very similar to your audience, and I, I just love, you know, sharing information about about what's happening in the industry. And so it was great that I was able to to write that post about my experience at at the expo and with um, my previous guest, Elizabeth Thacker-Jones, who's, who's out there now handling the social media and culinary pro- uh, producing the USA Pavilion. So thank you for that opportunity. Um, Absolutely. And, and for everyone listening, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's openforbusiness.opentable.com. Yes, and so who who have been other um, contributors that you've had? Um, it's mostly restaurant tours that are, or it's just a variety of people um, within the industry. It has really been a variety of people within the industry. Um, we're just excited to feature thought leaders in a bunch of different spaces. So, for example, one of our first posts was a Q and A with Ruth Reichel, which was really exciting. Obviously, she's so well respected, and um, and we kind of it was fun to talk to her because it was sort of a different interview than I think she has with a lot of people because we really approached it from the perspective of what should restaurateurs know about food criticism and about food critics who are coming in and and you know what would you tell them if you could tell them a few pointers so that was really interesting and um, we've featured interviews with Tom Colicchio with um, Danielle Baloud um, so those are some of really the top restaurateurs and chefs and then um, and then like I said before we've had just different PR and marketing people, social media mavens who give us their best practices, um, leaders in the technology space, and that provide different resources. So it's it's really been a nice mix. Absolutely, it's great. It's a great um, resource for for people in the industry. And um, 
getting with Open Table. I mean, I remember when Open Table launched in 1998 because I moved to New York then and I felt I don't know, I I feel like I've been with the, you know, or I've my career in the hospitality industry is kind of ridden along with with Open Table. Um but You've, I mean, I want to go back to talking about you're the the world's leading provider of online restaurant reservations and how you've grown since we started in 1998 to 32,000 restaurants, which is so impressive. <laughs> um, so I don't, um, I don't know who would be best at addressing that. Maybe, maybe Leela. Sure. Yeah, happy to talk about it. So, so Sherry, as you said, we were founded back in 1998, and it was the vision of uh, Chuck Templeton, our founder. And he was a former marketer who saw just how difficult it was for his wife to to make a reservation because at the time she really was just calling around rest, uh, restaurants and being on hold and getting voicemail, and uh, you know it was it was a really painful process. And he felt that there had to be a better way. So that was the genesis of our birth, basically. Uh, and you know I think it wasn't easy at first, but uh, in recent years, of course, online is everything. And so um, I loved your PR tip at the beginning, by the way. I think. Uh, Restaurateurs uh, ignore technology at their peril these days. It's definitely uh, definitely the way of the world. So, uh, yeah, so you flash forward to today, and we have 32,000 restaurants, as I said, and we're in six countries uh, officially with more to come. So currently in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, U.K., Germany, and Japan. And uh, really, we're very fortunate in that, uh, you know, as we've as we've grown on the restaurant side, we've we've seen that uh, really rapid growth on the consumer side, which is such a large part of the value that we deliver to our restaurants, of course, is that diner network. And uh, today, we average two reservations per second and seat 16 million diners every month. So it's really, it's grown to be quite a force and, and quite, a, quite a lot of uh, value, let, let's just say, for, for the restaurants on the network. Yes. Um, what... How does it work for a restaurant to sign up? Is it the same procedure for every restaurant across the world where they get the the system and and the are the fees the same? I mean, how, how and the marketing privileges, all of that um, across the board. Is it is it um, I guess universal? So there are it, it it depends very much on on where the restaurant needs our support. So our core service is a solution called Guest Center, and it's really about helping restaurants to uh, manage the tables in their restaurant effectively um, so that they can assign server sections and, uh, you know, make sure that they pace everything properly and seat, uh, seat guests and access reservation notes to be able to serve their guests better, uh, offer up better hospitality. So that's our core solution, and, of course, uh, that then hooks into our diner network where we're able to provide, uh, actually send diners to restaurants and help them keep um, keep busy, basically. And so most restaurants will will buy that table management solution um, and uh, basically t- take advantage of being on our network so that they have those incoming diners. For some smaller restaurants that don't necessarily yet have the need for table management, perhaps they're smaller, perhaps they just don't see as much of their business coming through reservations. We do have uh, sort of an entry an entry-level product called Connect, which is really, uh, I would think of as the, the easiest way to get onto the open table network. And so, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot, of, uh, a lot of success with that with smaller restaurants, which hopefully over time, through a service like open table, will start to build momentum and see more reservations come in to the point where, in fact, a table management service makes a lot of sense. Great. That makes sense to me. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a little break here, and we're going to come back and talk some more. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
Visit a farm. Log on to escapemaker.com for more ideas on local weekend getaways and day trips, including orchards, farms, and wineries. Or come by Escape Maker's Yellow Tent in Grow NYC's Green Markets and pick up a guide to local agritourism escapes to the Green Market's own farmers and producers. The guide will be updated seasonally to feature farms, wineries, and destinations in New York City, New York State, New Jersey, Vermont, and Pennsylvania. Plus, Escape Maker will offer overnight packages to these destinations so you can get the full experience. No car? No problem. Escape Maker features plenty of ideas for car-free getaways, including discounts via Amtrak. There's no better time to explore outside the city. Soak up the fresh air and scenery like a butterfly and support your local farmer. Log on to escapemaker.com to get inspired and make your escape through the net. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Leela Srinivasan, Vice President of Marketing at Open Table, and Olivia Terenzino, Content Marketing Manager, also at Open Table. So we're obviously talking open table today. Now, one thing I've, you know, from from the, the beginning when open table launched, one thing I've noticed that has changed is the competition out there. Um, it seems there's a lot more going on in the restaurant reservation world online. So what what how is open table, you know, how do you see the competition or what sets you guys apart from everyone else? Um, or and do you even see them as competition? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yes, it's a very competitive space. It's, it's amazing how much innovation is going on in food and technology, and we're we're really excited to be a part of that. Um, I think I think three things I would call out as things that make us uh, make us quite unique. The first I've alluded to a little bit as we've been talking, and that's really the power of our network. Uh, we are laser focused on helping our restaurants be successful by keeping them full, by helping them grow their business, basically. And we are uh, fortunate to have a very loyal. Uh, an engaged diner base. So I, I shared the stats earlier, uh, 16 million seated diners a month and two reservations per second. And that really is a key differentiator from us. Um, uh, so that's the first thing. Another thing I'd mention is really one of the things that drew me to Open Table was the team that we have here and our expertise. And, uh, you know, we, we really, it, it's, it's amazing to me the number of former GMs and uh, folks from uh, from uh, back of house and uh, front of house, wherever you you know you name it in the industry, uh, we've had we have so many uh, staffers at Open Table who used to be in the restaurant industry, and some of them today, you know, they might be married to restaurateurs or you know still very much involved in the business. And so, uh, we actually ran a survey of our internal team and found that on average they have several years of experience in the industry. I think it was something like seven and a quarter years when we when we surveyed our field team. So, so I think that really does enable us to play a, a different role to any of the other uh, players out there. And uh, you know, we have a role here called uh, the restaurant relations or account manager, and their their sole responsibility really is to make sure that the restaurants on our network are, are successful, that we help them think about how to maximize their inventory, uh, how to understand the insights that we share with them so they can, they can think about uh, their business more strategically and make tweaks to their setup to uh, get more diners in the door, for example. Um, so I think that's, that's, really, um, that's really a source of value. Uh, and then the third area I'll highlight is really around content and reviews. And reviews feels like a fairly controversial topic these days. Lots, of, lots in the press about uh, fake reviews and people just questioning the value. Um, we know for a fact, by the way, that uh, something like 60% of U.S. diners uh, always or frequently look at diner 
diner-generated reviews before they dine out. So we know how influential those are. And our source of, of differentiation is that we're really the only source of verified restaurant reviews, meaning that you can only review a restaurant on Open Table if we know that we seated you and that you dined at that restaurant. So that makes us quite different from the other players. And I think one of the better-kept secrets about Open Table is we have a very large volume of reviews. So every month we publish uh, over 480,000 new reviews, and we have something like 33 million now, I believe, on, on our platform. So I think that diner verified, sorry, the, the verified diner review, rather, is, is also a source of uniqueness for, for Open Table. You answered my next question before I asked it because I was I was thinking how many people, how many uh, open table customers do leave reviews because I know as a customer that I I read them a lot and I I look look at them for tips because um, I've always been as a consumer I've been a fan uh, not only of that but also of your point system you know I I make a lot of reservations <laughs> after a while that, that you know well for everyone <laughs> no I mean I'm I'm you know as someone in the industry and I'm I'm the go-to person that makes the reservation so that's always been a plus that there is there is a bit of a kickback if you you know from the 100 points a thousand point reservations which I think is a you know a bonus um, just just beyond the efficiency and just that you have so many restaurants <laughs> involved in your network um uh, Olivia, I don't know if you wanted to add a, at all to to that um, this this part of the competition uh, conversation. If not, we could keep keep talking about other stuff. <laughs> no, no, I think Leela really hit on the points. I think um, where we really do well, um, you know, everything that she mentioned definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, it was my team that ran the survey about our staff experience. Um, so it was just really cool to see that from our field team that so many so many of the people at Open Table who are working directly with restaurants have worked front of house, back of house, have owned restaurants, have you know worked all sorts of of positions in a real restaurant and really have that experience and have that empathy for what restaurateurs are going through. So that was cool for me. I, I guess I should also say that I think Olivia's blog is becoming is fast becoming pretty unique in the industry too. So uh, props to her. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Props to her for sure. I love it. And I've always loved, I mean, because I'm a publicist and I represent a lot of restaurants. And um, I've always told my clients that, you know, the, the, the PR or the marketing tools that you provide are amazing. You know, having having a, just a separate list of restaurants that are only doing Father's Day brunch or, you know, different different specials. There's there's a lot of promotions that you guys provide for uh, the restaurants involved. Definitely. And that's actually, that's a part of the free, the free service that we offer. So uh, holiday promos are really important to our restaurants. Uh, and also, you know, biggest dining days of the year. So Valentine's Day, for example, this year, we seated over 2 million diners. So that was actually the biggest day in our history. And so for all of those, for all of those holidays and, and bigger events, we have a team that actually sets up special pages, special landing pages, so that uh, diners can easily find restaurants that are offering specials or have something, something out of the ordinary going on or just want to pull in more diners for that day. And uh, the good news is that when restaurants participate in that program, and it's, it's free to do that once you're an open table customer, they see a 38% incremental lift in their seated diners just by participating in those promotions. Wow. So, yeah, so it's really, it's, it's a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, again, it's just part of the way that we think about helping our restaurants be successful and help diners discover amazing locations. You know, what about the difference between having now an app and having online? 
are you are you seeing cons- consumers using one more than the other? Yeah, so that's a that's actually a great question. I think I think like any um, online business these days, we're we're moving toward, and in fact, I think in the U.S. we've reached that tipping point where we actually see more reservations uh, originating on a mobile device than desktop. So uh, for last quarter, or sorry, actually, actually I think it was Q1 of this year, 51% of our seated diners in North America originated on a mobile device. So uh, mobile is definitely a huge part of our business and something we think, think a lot about. And I think the good news for, for restaurants is that uh, the, book, the, the diners who book on a mobile device are among our better diners, So by which I mean they book more frequently. And they also uh, show up uh, very frequently, so, so no-shows and cancellations are very low among that, comparatively low among that group. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to get more of our diners to download our mobile app, uh, because then, you know, it's super convenient for them, they can access it on the go, and as I said, we tend to see more, more reservations made, made by them. Good to know. I use both. I go back and forth between whether I make a reservation mm-hmm. on the app or online, depending on where I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and I think, so I'm in that camp too, Sherry. Uh, I think it's interesting to see how, you know, we definitely have folks that use only one, you know, whether it's, whether it's um, the desktop version or the mobile version or that use both. So, um, but whenever you're using that mobile version, it tends to mean that you're, you're that sort of quote unquote better diner in some ways. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I'm in that category of the better diner. <laughs> um, let me let me ask you guys my question I had from last week on episode 69. I had on Michelle Nishan, the founder, CEO, and president of Wholesome Wave. So he noted that he had used OpenTable when he had the dressing room and that he thinks it's a great program. And he would love to see if OpenTable we'll get it more into cross-marketing and adding a component where restaurants and customers logging in can easily connect their experience to have some of the resources going to their favorite cause-based charity. So he wanted to know if you're working on this. <laughs> well, wow, that's a very, very specific um, yes. suggestion and question. Um, I guess what I would say is, so you, you, you alluded to our loyalty program for diners, which, um, which is pretty popular and we're, we're um, already working on ways to make that even more valuable for diners. Uh, and I will say that as part of that, we've contemplated opportunities uh, to think about tying in the opportunity to redeem points for your favorite charitable cause, for example. Um, so nothing to report there. Uh, definitely appreciate the suggestion, and I'm happy to take that one back to the team. Yeah, I think this is uh, probably the most serious question I've gotten uh, 70 episodes in. <laughs> but but he did, he also said um, Open Table touches millions of people and that it can help change the world through food. And he's just, you know, he's so inspirational and he just, this is how he thinks, which amazes me. Which So we'll see. Um, well, that's, thank you for, for answering that. I'm sure he's satisfied. <laughs> And, uh, okay, we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back and do my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests are Leela Srinivasan and Olivia Terenzio of Open Table. It is now time for my speed round game. So, Olivia and Leela, what this is, is I am going to name two things and you just pick your preference, such as, <laughs> such as chocolate or vanilla. So, all right. So you, you can. Are we starting with chocolate and vanilla? Yes, let's start. Let Let's start with chocolate and vanilla. Um, I'm going to go chocolate. I'm chocolate too. I'm chocolate three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now here we go. Eat in or eat out? Ooh, both. Well, I have to say eat out, so our restaurants have more business. But I also like cooking, so I'm a both too. Okay. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Definitely wine. Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Ooh. <laughs> That's a tricky one. I'm going to say tasting menu. I'm also a tasting menu. I, I'd prefer not to make any decisions and try everything. Okay. <laughs> I can tell I, I like, I say I like I like putting myself in the hands of the, of the chef. That's, right. That's me too. I, I think you guys probably get along very well, considering you're very on, on the same Olivia, page on this. Do, we could do dinner, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about small plates or large plates? Small. Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh. Chef's counter. Chef's counter. <laughs> Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Ooh, that's controversial. It is. That is a hot topic in the industry. <laughs> it wasn't controversial I, when I started doing my show. It's crazy how the industry keeps changing. But mm. yes, that that I'm. So what 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 do you think on this one? So I you know like, I, I, I like tipping. Oh, go ahead. I like tipping. <laughs> I I, uh, I like the opportunity to uh, to make a gesture when someone's really been exceptional. Okay. I, I definitely feel the same way as a diner. And, and, you know, I've talked to a few different restaurateurs about this and, and other people in the industry. And it seems like, you know, the benefits are different for different styles of restaurants. So I, I understand a lot of different sides. Got it. How about walk-ins or reservations? Reservations. Really? Yeah, I know. That was, that was like my throwaway one. That was my very easy one. Um, I was. I have a few more. Website or or mobile open table. Mobile open table. I do both. I really do. Okay, me too. Cheese plate or dessert? I'm going to say cheese plate. I'm going to say dessert. Oh my God! You guys finally did not agree <laughs> on something. <laughs> That took a lot of questions. (laughs) It did. And this is the last one. I have Manhattan, Brooklyn, or San Francisco. San Francisco. Have to be loyal. I spent the summer of 2005 in Brooklyn, and I loved every minute. So I'm (laughs) going to say Brooklyn. (laughs) Great. I don't – well, I don't know. Have you been out here to Roberta's uh, in, in Bushwick before? No, I have never done that. Well, next time you come back to to New York and Brooklyn, you have to come out here. It's a fabulous place to. This is that's where I'm at today. This is where Heritage Radio is, and people like coming out just because the food's so good, and it's just a really chill environment. So, okay, 
Well, that was the game. So thank you for playing. And now, thanks. Now we'll talk some industry news. Well, the article I want to talk about today, uh, you know, I always think it's timely when these things come out and then my guests actually live in California. Because uh, in the New York Times today, Kim Severson wrote, about how California's drought is changing the habits in the kitchen. And Kim, actually, I did my speed round game with her a couple of weeks ago at the Menus of Change conference. Um, and she's, she's awesome. So she, she wrote this article, and it's, you know, it was talking about how across California, how home cooks and restaurant chefs are adjusting to the new reality in kitchens where, you know, water once flowed freely, but now with this drought that's been going on for four years, how, you know, they're kind of changing their ways. So... What do you guys think? I mean, you're 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 living it. <laughs> we are definitely, yeah, we are definitely living the drought. And uh, I live in the East Bay of uh, the San Francisco area, and it's it's a dust bowl right now. It's really um, it's really sad, and we're all on water restriction as consumers. And I think when you go out to dine, I had this happen at the weekend. I was over at uh, Dosa on Valencia, a great Indian restaurant, and uh, we actually sat up at the bar because they were they were chock full and. Um, the the uh, bartender was apologetic, and he apologized a couple of times for the fact that he wasn't able to proactively offer us a glass of water because of the restrictions. And you know that's the new policy: is you you don't you know you you give water when asked, but you don't offer it off the bat. And it's 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 like a re a retraining almost of of, of staff, and it's it's feels counter to hospitality for them, but it is the sort of the situation that we're in. So, you know, I've definitely noticed it as a consumer. Um, I haven't necessarily noticed it yet from a menu standpoint, um, but, but you know, we're, we're definitely all facing, we're all in it together in some ways. Right. What about you, Olivia? Yeah, you know, I've had similar experiences as a consumer really dining all throughout California, you'll go to restaurants and you'll see signs, you know, on the tables or on the front door that say water available upon request. Um, you know, so that, you know, as a as a diner, you have to keep asking for it, which obviously it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And, and I'm sure, like Leela mentioned, feels uncomfortable for the staff as well. Um, so it's it's definitely top of mind for everyone. I think it's the balance between them, you know, wanting to deliver great hospitality and also um, being environmentally responsible. Yeah, well, I thought in this in this article, it was interesting because she was talking about how some chefs are, you know, they're finding new ways to cook uh, things that they've been cooking forever, like like pho and ways to, to use less water and uh, steaming things versus boiling, uh, just different ways of, of approaching even, even growing smaller crops or, or, or limiting the crops that are being grown. Um, I thought she touched on a lot of things and it was a, it was good insight into what's happening there because I think here, like I, 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 you read about it, but you guys are, you guys are living it and seeing what's happening. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's a bit crazy. I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a reality. Um, so I, I think, I think it's nice that, you know, that people are, are really trying to figure out ways to use less water in, in, in the way they're cooking and, and, um, and I guess serving as well. Yeah, in, in some ways, it, it couldn't happen to a more environmentally conscious part of the country because people here tend to be quite uh, environmentally conscious. And so again, you know, there is this sense that we are all in it together, and people under, you know, really understand. And I think for the restaurants that are 
being inventive with the way that they cook and create. Uh, certainly kudos to them. And I think diners will, will only be supportive of that because, again, we, we really understand the, the issue uh, firsthand. All right. Any other comments on that, Olivia, or else we're going to go to another break? No, I, I do think there's um, a new level of creativity in the kitchen, for sure, like you touched on. I read another article in the past week or two, I believe it was on NPR, about people developing, um, quote-unquote, drought-friendly restaurants you know, in the kitchen that require fewer resources, less water, et cetera, to, to grow those ingredients and really kind of – I do think there's been – I haven't really noticed it, I guess, firsthand, but, um, you know, based on what I've read, there have been some menu adjustments, you know, based mm-hmm. on the crisis. And I will say that Olivia, about a month ago, brought in some cricket flour cookies, I think it was. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> yes. There's definitely been a, a surge in interest in alternative foods that don't require, uh, you know, sort of heavy culture, agricultural tending and water. And I think the cookies were a hit, actually. So, you know, again, they were. Uh, I think... I think uh, Californians are ready to adjust to less water uh, needing uh, types of food if we need to. Yes, well, it's worth mentioning they were not homemade. Well, I've had <laughs> right. there's there's this trend though. For I've had I was at um, the Roots Conference last year at uh, Farmer Lee Jones out in, in Ohio, and um, this company called EXO, which I met these these young guys that started it, right. and it's they're using cricket flour to make these uh, energy bars, and uh, I tried it. It was. I thought it was tasty good. I wouldn't have known it was any anything different. Um, so I think that is a, a trend going on too. Uh, I, I wasn't. I didn't. Yeah. So mm-hmm. whatever. The food world is constantly advancing, as with uh, technology. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So we're gonna, we're going to do one more break here, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience, and then we'll do the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. This week, I went to 15 East. Here's the rundown. The location, 15 East, 15th Street in Union Square, New York City. The concept, minimalistic Japanese restaurant preparing creative sushi and fish, plus cook dishes in a refined atmosphere. The executive sushi chef, Say that fast. Masato Shimizu. The owners, Marco Moreira and Joanne Makovitsky. Why did I go? Because Chef Masato, 
who has been with the restaurant since its opening in 2006, announced that he is leaving to move to Bangkok with his wife, who is Thai. My experience. Seats were in demand since it only has nine seats at the sushi bar. And uh, due to Masato's departure, lots of people wanted to, to go in to, to have one last time at 15 East with him. But I was able to secure a 9 p.m. reservation for one on a weekday night. And I was happened to get seated right in front of Masato, which was a real treat. Now, what did I get? Well, I went with the sashimi and sushi omakase, which consisted of about 15 pieces or small plates. I also had green tea, and uh, I was given a complimentary dessert. My take, well, what could be better than being handed a piece of top-quality toro that basically melts in your mouth because it's so fresh? I think nothing. And all of the sushi and sashimi was excellent. The scene, fans of Masato, perfect for sushi lovers. Interesting tidbit, Masato said that the chef replacing him is from Sushi On, which is in Midtown. Personal fun fact, I had dined at the sushi counter once before and had the sushi omakase, and since then I've been a fan of 15 East. The cost was $110, not including tax and tip. Would I go back? Most likely yes, and if in Bangkok, I would check out his new place. So best of luck, chef. And the website is 15eastrestaurant.com. So now, it is time for the final question. So, uh, Olivia and Leela, I would like if you could ask a question for my guest next week. Now, this is super cool because I am having on Heritage Radio Network's own Executive Director Aaron Fairbanks, Executive Producer Jack Inslee, and Deputy Director Allison Hamlin. So, can you ask them a question? Well, that's sure, very exciting. Olivia's got, a, Olivia's got a great one, so I'll let her ask this. Yeah, we're big fans of Heritage Radio Network, so it's going to be really exciting to hear from Aaron and and um, from Jack and Allison. I would love to know, personally, if we could feature any article on Open for Business about the restaurant industry, what would you like to see us cover? Fabulous. Great question. Yeah, I'm really excited to have them on. I was nervous about asking them, but they said yes. <laughs> so... Um, well, terrific. Well, thank you both for joining me today. You know, it's harder to do these call-ins, but I, you know, I think it worked out well and, um, that you guys, you know, took the time to join us. It, it means a lot to me. So thank you. Well, thank it's you so much for having pleasure. us on. Yeah. This has been an, yeah, an absolute pleasure and an honor. Well, well thank thanks. You. I look forward to seeing you out in Brooklyn one of these days. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'll have to get out to, to California again, uh, soon too lots of good good things happening in that your dining scene <laughs> okay so let me run through uh where to find you guys so i've been talking to leela srinivasan she's the vice president of marketing at open table i've also been talking with olivia terenzio content marketing manager at open table now their website's opentable.com and also you have openforbusiness.opentable.com is that correct that's it. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Right. And we also have, we actually have a, a website for restaurants as well, which is restaurant.opentable.com. Oh, good to know. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Now, social media, you can find them at Lee Lasrin at O Terenzio and at Open Table. My social media is at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry at Heritage underscore Radio. Check out my Facebook page, All in the Industry, and my website, BayerPublicRelations.com. Now, as a reminder, all of our shows are on 
heritageradionetwork.org. They're archived there. They're also archived at Stitcher and iTunes. So you can download our episodes as podcasts and listen anywhere, anytime. You can also leave reviews on, on iTunes. So please feel free to do so. Thanks to my engineer, Liz, today, who made this all happen. Thank you so much. And thanks to Leela and Olivia and all of you out there listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Hope you'll tune in then. Bye. song for all in the industry is broke down by the california honey drops additional music on today's show was provided by knife show thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.